It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Just a couple of things I want to go over before we dive into today's episode. The first thing is that from here on out with each interview, if it goes over an hour, I will cut it in half and I'll do a part one and a part two. So watch for that to happen. Um, The next thing is that I am looking for sponsors. So if you are interested in being a sponsor for one of our shows or multiple shows, reach out to me, send me an email at cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com and we'll see if we can work something out. The other thing is that we are doing a photo contest every month on our Instagram page at cowboystories underscore podcast. So look for information on that on our Instagram. Last but not least, I just wanted to say thank you for all of the support. I really have been blown away by everyone who has reached out to me and I'm so grateful for that and I just wanted to thank you all. So, with that being said, let's dive into today's episode. A little while ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with JR and Justin Jones, and they run their cattle in northern Arizona on the Cane and Two Mile Ranch. JR and his wife have been there for over 40 years, and so this was an interview that I was really looking forward to. I hope you enjoy. Like I said, thanks for agreeing to sit down and visit with me for a minute. I'm pretty excited to talk to both of you because <laughs> I know my dad said if you want to talk to a cowboy, you need to t- go talk to JR. He'll oh, probably right. tell you no, but he's the guy you need to talk to. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. All, all this cowboy does anymore is follow him around. Payback. <laughs> uh, <Hey>, <laughs> I guess if we could just start off, um, I'll just have you tell us a little bit about your childhood and kind of what made you decide you wanted to be a cowboy. (laughs) Uh, That's all I I was ever around. My dad was a cowboy, my uncle's a cowboy, my granddad, that's all they did. I just grew up that way. And I was raised by... uh, uh, man by the name of Ben Foster. They got me when I was about six months old. And that, and he was, he, he was more of a cattleman than he was a cowboy, but he could still get it done and stuff. He was, he must've been a cowboy cause he could holler like, just like the others could. 
Huh. And that's, uh, that's all I ever knew. It's all I ever wanted to do. My mom, she wanted me to go to college and, and make enough money to buy a ranch. And hell, I didn't want to do that. I was ready to go to work. I just, so that's it. Huh. Where did, where did the Ben Foster, where did they run cattle at? They, uh, <clears throat> they kind of bought and sold ranches, him and his brothers. And, uh, uh, they had uh, a big ranch down there in, well, not far from Joe P. They called it the Willow Springs Ranch, and, and then they uh, uh, had her owned a ranch up around Snowflake. And uh, in the, they'd just trade, go in and kind of fix the ranch up and then sell it. And uh, in between that, they would lease the ranch and, and run steers. And... Uh, that's just how they made their living. So was working for them one of the first full-time cowboy jobs that you had? Uh, I can't say that I, I was really working for them. I was just there. You are just there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what a paycheck was till I got out of high school. <laughs> uh, Where did you graduate high school from? Kingman. Kingman. Yeah. They had a ranch over there on that Wallapai Mountain, that right out of Kingman. Just a little town called Yucca right there. And uh, we rode the school bus. Me and my sisters rode the school bus from the ranch to to uh, Kingman. Did you hang around Kingman for a while after high school, or did you get out of there? No, I, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they... Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Kingman, I always heard that there was a lot of cowboys. And there was cowboys there. But in school, uh, the kids is in white shoes and red socks and stuff. You know, they just <laughs> they just wasn't my type of people. Although a lot of them lived on a ranch, too. Well, so where'd you go when you moved from there? Uh, we... Uh, we had headquartered kind of down in uh, at Mesa, and uh, we, uh, in the wintertime, we'd go back to Mesa from wherever the ranches were and go to school. And uh, so when I graduated, we, we went back to Mesa, and uh, there was a auction yard called uh, uh, Cornelius Livestock Auction, and uh, had a big sign, the biggest in the world, and that we get we just rode all day long they shipped cattle in there by the train plus the trucks and we'd ship cattle out of there by train wow and uh, i guess i i worked there for about a year and uh, that's when i found out a, a job was paid and i saved up <laughs> enough money, saved up enough money and went up to and lived with my uncle and my granddad for a little while. Okay. Just messed around. Work, they worked a little bit while I was there. I really went up there to rope. But, uh, and, and we roped a little. Not as much as I wanted to, but we roped. Yeah. So. How many cows would you ship out of there on the trains at a time? Well, you know, uh, that's been so long ago, I, I can't remember, but there'd, there'd be a lot of uh, cars come. 
actually a lot of cattle come in there. We really shipped more in than we did out. Oh, really? I went to work uh, for my uncle uh, there to Sholo, and uh, they they shipped their cattle out by train. And uh, at one time, that was a big outfit, but there was just down to two, three of us that punched cows there. And probably uh, five, six hundred head of cattle we'd ship out of there by, the, by rail. Huh. That's a thing of the past. I know a couple of the other guys that I have talked to mentioned like taking sheep and cows to Marysville to that train station, and it's something that I don't even think about anymore is having to ship using a train. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to hear hear yeah. about it. My dad he uh, he leased the ranch right out of uh, Snowflake there between Snowflake and Holbrook. And uh, they they jumped, uh, they bought about 400 st- steers, and we jumped them. They, the track went right through the ranch, and they come in there on the train, and we jumped them right out on the ranch right there and held them up. And, That's cool. Yeah. So who were some of the guys that you learned from growing up? Like, who taught you? Just my uh, my dad and, and, well, when I say my dad, I'm talking about Ben Foster. But uh, my uncle and my real dad, he was around, and and I, I guess they were kind of the main, main ones. I just done what they told me <laughs> and hollered a lot. I, I hollered a lot. Yeah. I do. I, yeah, I still do. I don't really deal with authority too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up in in Canab? What brought you up here? Uh, my dad and another and another uncle, they bought the two mile ranch that we're on now, and uh, we came. Uh, we we summered there and then we'd go back and go to school during the winter and when they sold it they sold it to a guy by the name of Roud Sanders and Roud had it uh, for 20 years and almost to the date uh, Lynette's dad come and bought the ranch and Lynette and I come back to to uh, run the ranch for him that's cool for her dad for her dad yeah that's cool and then it just, he he sold out, and uh, the guy that bought it, I stayed for him. And then the other guy, you know, I think about five guys, something like that, I went through there. And that we've been there about uh, 40-some years, not counting the year, couple of years that I was there with my, with my dad. That's pretty cool that you've been able to stay there. Through yeah. all those ownership yeah. changes, what it'd be been there 44 years now. Yeah, cool. and it, you know, it. Uh, that's the thing. That's kind of like the railroad. Not many guys can stay at a place, and especially have that many owners. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you've been able to stay that long? Uh, one one thing is not having a temper. <laughs> That's helped a lot. (laughs) (laughs) 
good nature. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, uh, I'd like to think it was because I was a good hand and uh, I'd done things right. I don't know. Yeah. I'd done something right or I wouldn't have stayed that long. Yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the operation that you have going now? Now? Yeah, now. It, that'd be a question for them. Him and Trey, Justin runs the ranch, and we got a little feedlot going and stuff, and, and Trey runs that and then comes and helps Justin. Okay. And I just, Lynette and I stay out there, and we, we've kind of moved some cattle around and stuff for him and watch the water and stuff. <clears throat> Make sure he does what he's told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I come through the back door once in a while. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> the way the way the ranch works now, um, a guy from California bought it. David Gilbon bought the ranches, and and put both ranches together. Put the Two Mile Ranch and the Cane Ranch together, and between the two, there's 857,000 acres on it, and dad ran it for him and then he sold it to the Grand Canyon Trust which is a an environmental organization and when they bought it um, they had to run cattle on the ranch so they hired a guy to come and run it and I went to work for him and he was there for about five years and when he left then I took over and run it for the Grand Canyon Trust but they're a non-profit organization and the book work was just killing them, trying to keep the money in order for the accountants to keep track of it. So they worked a deal out with, with us, and we own the cattle. And anything to do with the, the cows on the ranch, we it's ours now. And they own the permits. But um, So it's, it's kind of a new idea in life to partner up with the environmentalists, but they've been... For us, in this particular ranch, they've been phenomenal. It's really good to work with and for, and they've learned a lot, we've learned a lot. And so it's, it's kind of nice now because cattle are ours and we're able to yeah. just kind of run it like we want. It's been, been good. So how many head can you run out there now? 700. Yeah. And it's, it'll, it's permitted for a lot more, but with the system we got with them, that's just the number for running. Okay. It's been a kind of a surprise that we've really stayed uh, there with them so long. It's it's turned out a good deal, but they've they've kind of kept my good personality away from it too. So <laughs> that's, yeah. that's been a big plus. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't want them to like us too much. <laughs> uh. So how many head could you run while you were out there? Uh, we run the, the two-mile deal, and we had 50, about 1,500 there. And then when they put the other side together, well, uh, it, it was 1,000, about 1,000. So we run about 2,500. Cool. So I think that there are probably, I always like to ask people what the hardest part about running cattle where they do is. And so both of you could probably have separate answers for the same place, right? Like, what was the hardest part about running them out there while you were there? 
uh, help getting getting cowboys because it, it's kind of a remote. I mean, it's about 60 miles to two miles from town right here. And that's just on the edge of it. And then you go back, what, 20 miles in there? Yeah, so. so it's that that place is <clears throat> uh, about 400 sections. And then the other place is up there, too. Okay. But I think that's probably everybody's the helps, the hard part. Would you say that too now for you, Justin? Or um, no, because we we've kind of got some local guys that help mom and dad, and then me and Trey, and then my kids are growing up now, so they're kind of in the same boat he was. They just kind of have to do it because we needed their help. But when they do leave, then yeah, it's hard to find help. You can always find help. There's always somebody in town that says they can ride a horse, but when you get them out there and they actually see what's going on, then it's a little different. Yeah. I don't. I don't classify that as help. No, I don't either. But their bodies. Yeah. But like the kids growing up, it's brought in a granddaughter, and that's that's something new too. She's Hi. she's turned out to be really, really good help. So yeah, but help help is the the hardest thing, and then and then the seasons. You know, nowadays the drought is just kicking us in the teeth every time we turn around. We're, something new the waters are drying up dirt tanks are drying up wells are going down springs are slowing down yeah. feeds not coming in as good so there's always those kind of challenges cattle market isn't as good as it can be or has been or hopefully someday it'll come back you guys experience that i mean it's nothing just yeah. us you know you got you got to love it just to do it. It's got to be a way of life. Is that why you do it? Yeah. Do you love it? I love it. Yeah. 76 years old, well, almost 77. Can't make him stay home, so <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> he passed on his sweet nature to me, so <laughs> that's why he shows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, heard. it's got to be a way of life. It's just when it, you know, like it, like I told you, I just was raised with it. You know, my mom told me one time. My dad took me from I don't know four years old. She says that she could, couldn't believe it that I lived as long as I did. Do you remember going with them at oh. four years old? Oh yeah, and helping. Is there one particular memory you have of well, going you know, as a young age? Yeah. My dad, my dad, they used to buy a lot of steers and put them, you know, and go into the sale barn down there, that livestock, Cornelius, you know. And, uh, man, I, we were there at daylight and there at dark, you know. And I used to climb up on top and just go to sleep up there, you know. Just. <laughs> but uh, I, I really grew up uh, in the that most kids wouldn't because uh, they they done a lot of buying and selling and buying ranches and and that and I would go right in to the bank. I've been with my dad when he bought a ranches, you know, and sit there and listened. And 
it's just a good opportunity. To, you just yeah. learned a lot from him just falling oh, around. Yeah. 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 I didn't really pick up his personality too much. He he was kind of on there too. <laughs> What would you say the best part about living this lifestyle is? Uh, the kids. You know, I got the, they. They came when they were six years old. You know, they started going with me riding all day. Was when that he, important to you to teach them? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's a it's a lot of pressure because. Uh, uh, when I was growing up, some places would be cotton fields down there, you know. They'd, they'd lease them cotton fields and turn steers and stuff in there and stuff. But, like, he he came, uh, when he started riding six years old. In fact, the first year, Lynette rode just to watch him in case we had to go catch some cattle or something, you know. And then uh, the next year, I hired a guy to do the thing, the same thing. And, hell, he... He he'd run off and leave them by then. You know? and they they got it was rough. I wasn't easy on them, but it they, there's a lot of pressure, and he's going to learn that too. There's a lot of pressure when you got a kid six seven years old out there. It's so far from town, you know. They gotta they gotta think like a man, not like a kid, you know. Yeah. So. I, it always bothered you, you know, if one of them got bucked off or hurt or something, man, it's a long ways into town. So, but he, he's going to see it coming. Yeah. And his kids don't mind near as good as they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's a lot to that. <laughs> Can you remember going from a young age? Do you have... Oh, yeah, I remember... Absolutely. I can remember just begging to go, I don't know, when I was four, probably. Yeah. And I just remember being heartbroken every time you'd ride out of camp, and I'd stuck there with the women. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember going. Is there one particular memory that stands out? Uh, I, I think the first one was when I did finally get to go, he wouldn't let me pack a rope on my saddle, and he made me pack a canteen. And I just remember being hot that I had to pack that canteen. And every time I'd try to keep up with them, that thing would get to flapping and <laughs> banging around, and, and I hated it. And I, I can remember that when I, that was right off the bat. I don't think the canteen lasted very long. No. In fact, uh, when you brought that up, Trey, when he turned six and started coming with us, he, he just come right out and he says, I ain't packing no canteen. <laughs> So he must have learned that from him. <laughs> uh, and you let him tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I got even. Okay. I can just remember getting up and going in and sitting in the, in the cookhouse, eating with them and, and just wanting to be like him. Just, I didn't want to be a kid. I wanted to be growing up. Not to bring Trey in again, but I remember the first morning that he went out with us. We was camped in teepees, and Trey come out running out of there, and he had his shirt on that's all inside out. He had it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
would you camp a lot as a family uh, out there? Yeah, we did. We had about three places. that Actually, uh, the two mile was four ranches, about 300 head ranches. And uh, so we just, it, it's kind of like a wagon, only we didn't have the teams, but we had some camps and we just stayed in them teepee tents. And then when uh, when they, Justin had to go to school, we come here and got this house. And uh, then on the Friday night, Lynette would come out there, bring them on the weekends, and we'd they'd work all weekend and then come back in and go to school. And we you would just, stay out there? Then I'd oh. stay, yeah. Okay. And we'd just... Uh, just moved from camp to camp that way. And it wasn't long till boys still pretty young. They were still my best hands. They would, they learned pretty quick. How do you define a good hand? Boy, that's, that's a tough answer. But, uh, the, the thing about this, this ranch out there at two mile, uh, before we come there, those those cattle had to run or they'd get run over. Routed had his grandkids and everybody, you know, and they they, they were out there wild west. So those cattle was pretty trotty. We and everything was kind of downhill. And if we didn't jump them cattle just right, we had a race to get around them and hold them up and stuff. And uh, a, a lot of guys that you get, they just don't have that kind of speed, you know. You get those boys out of Wyoming and where it's open country or Montana, they just handle them cattle, gentle cattle, you know. And uh, somebody that could rope and uh, good good hand with a horse, which I, don't, I classify ourselves as good hands. That's my opinion, so I don't know, you know. Yeah. But uh, somebody that can tell you if you jump a bunch of cattle that you can, once you get them holed up, you could tell whether you got all the calves or, and uh, you got to go back and look for some calves or they, somebody that can read cattle, I guess. Yeah. Somebody that's willing to listen and learn and, and change and adapt to their situation is, is a good hand. Somebody that's used to working fast and wild cattle that can slow down for people that have gentle cattle or vice versa. If somebody's just used to gentle cattle, if they can kick it up and keep up and and learn and change their ways and, and make a hand. Yeah. We've, we've had some dandies out there. An old boy showed up right there on the highway at the Shopman's and uh, he had an old pickup with a set of wooden stock racks on his pickup and had a mule, and uh, I needed some help, and he's just hanging out up there. And uh, so I went and talked to him, and yeah, he, he did a job. So he showed up out there, and, and I asked him if he had a pair of shafts, and he said no, and I says, well, I got a pair. And I, I, it was my dad's bat wings, old bat wing shafts, and I gave it to him. And I went back in the house, and when I come back out, he had that bat wings backwards and had them snapped down the front. <laughs> Man, I knew I was in trouble. I, <laughs> I 
I spent the next two days trying to figure out how I was going to get rid of this guy. <laughs> another another guy had a, uh, he came and worked, and I, I gave him a mare that, that we'd raised. My dad had raised him, or raised her. And uh, we went down to barn one morning and saddled up and and uh, kind of going back to the house, uh, ride back to the house right there and get last things. But all of a sudden this marriage just broke in two and she had never bucked in her life and she had a little age on her. And uh, she fell down, he hit a slick rock and she bucked, fell down and everything. And when he got up, he'd come from the Grand Canyon out there with the mules and he didn't have no hobble strap between the, the cinches. And, he, and the mules, I guess, they cinch him up the back cinch. They cinch him in the flank. So the saddle don't, anyway, that's, that's what he told me. And that's interesting. So that's what he did to your mare. Yeah. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. him off right on the pile. <laughs> he oh. found a piece of hay string and hobbled it. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Lynette, she was helping us uh, there and we had a bunch of cattle thrown in a corner there, and we were sorting them, cutting dry cows out of them. I don't remember now. And she, she ran over there, loped over there, and told me, says, I can't stand this guy. Why did you even hire him? He didn't <laughs> get, get rid of this guy. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny that he just flanked that there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys raise a lot of horses? We've, we've raised some, yeah. We've got, uh, I bought them as colts. We haven't raised these, but uh, bought them as yearlings. I think we got five, we got three that hadn't been started. And right now? Two, two that has, haven't been and three that started. Yeah. So you never had like a stud around or anything, but you would buy? Back at the ranch. Yeah, we had he had a band of brood mares and a stud out there that we ran. Okay. And raised raised our own horses at the ranch. Okay, that's cool. And I and I had a colt starter, you know. There you go. But now he's got old enough. He tells me he ain't doing it. <laughs> but now I got a boy that's doing it, so it works out pretty slick. Just keeps passing it yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now we're out one because he's on a mission. Oh. We're afoot. <laughs> Is there a particular bloodline that you like? Uh, yeah, you know, when we came here, I had that Driftwood Hancock crosses. But, you, you know, they've got such a, uh, that metallic cat, and and uh, there's some high-browed boogers now that we've kind of got them mixed up a little bit. We've went from big horses to little horses and back to big horses. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it, that's part of the fun, too, is raising them horses and then starting them and see what you get. And so. Have you had any favorite horses? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. A lot of favorite horses. Yeah. Is there one in particular that stands out? Yeah. He was a, uh, he was a possum and a... Uh, and, uh, what the hell did I tell you? Out of a Morgan mare. And it really wasn't the Morgan mare. He was just kind of, uh, 
the real cow, he kind of bred stud horse, you know, and just, uh, he was exceptional to the rule, you know. And where'd you find him at? Uh, my real dad gave him to me when he was a two-year-old. He started him for me, and then, uh, in fact, Lynette and I on our honeymoon went and got him. Okay. And, uh, but well, he, he was a, and I, I don't really care for those guys, but uh, I went to a roping school, the Camarillos. They were world champion team ropers and stuff. And while I was at that, that school, uh, they tried to buy him off of me. Really? So that kind of impressed me that he was a good horse. Of course, I didn't need to tell him tell <laughs> me that. But, yeah. yeah. What made him so exceptional, just super cowy? Just talented and, and a good mind on him. And just really watch a cow and just stop. He's just kind of a natural at everything. He had to be to be as good as he was. It wasn't me that done it. Yeah. Isn't he the one you did barrel race for the first time and beat that barrel racer? Yeah, but the barrel racer was a tractor. They We put on a rodeo down there. I joined the sheriff posse when I was in a feedlot down there in Parker. And uh, this guy uh, come in and challenged us. He had a, they used to have them tractor rodeos down there. They was really souped up car engines in them. They'd take and put them together. Really? And, uh, and this old kid, uh, he, he accepted the challenge. So that it's kind of built up around. And uh, that tractor, they could just go down and they'd lock one brake up, you know, and just spin that thing around. He'd run down there and just lock that thing, spin it out. And that old kid that took the challenge, he, he says, no, I'm not running that tractor. In fact, uh, we had, our fence was uh, cars parked in there. We was just trying to raise money to build the arena. And uh, he he come through there and he went right out the back end between two cars and stuff. <laughs> so they the caught, guy that was supposed to challenge. Yeah. <laughs> So they conned me into doing it. I, I kind of trained this horse to run the barrels for Lynette, and I every time she'd go down there and run them, I just, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand him doing that. So I switched horses for her and just kept this horse away. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, uh, we run, we run two times and tied both times, and he wanted to run again. I said, No, I'm, I'm through. Your t- your horse is not tired. Mine is. <laughs> so. You don't look like a barrel racer. No, <laughs> I think that was my first and only challenge. <laughs> yeah. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go in there easy. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't, except for this horse. He could just do it. Anything you put him to. Did you rope a lot of stuff on him outside? Yeah, yeah, a lot on the outside, and, but and a lot on the in the arena. Yeah. That concludes part one of my interview with Jr. and Justin Jones. Part two is coming out soon, so follow us and stay up to date so you don't miss out on that. You can stay up to date with us by subscribing to our show. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Cowboy Stories underscore podcast. 
part two contains a lot of cool stories that you don't want to miss, so make sure you're staying up to date. Thanks. See you soon. Thank you.